Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, welcome to Sight and Sound After Party. That's right. You heard me right. Hopefully the music played at the top of this. This isn't a mistake. This is an after party. And I'm joined by no one. It's just me, Jay Williams, your host for this particular episode. And there's a reason for all of that. There's a reason why... Uh, no one is here with me today, but we'll get into all of that. If you are, for whatever reason, if you're not familiar with um, Sight and Sound, if you're not familiar with what we do here, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. I know that this is a little bit strange. This is a little bit weird to just listen to one person talk to you. It's it's equally as strange for me to just sit here and talk to nobody, but I do it every single week on Sight and Sound Music. I do that weekly show solo by myself from time to time i'll have guests but most of the time a majority of the time i'm doing it solo and i've been doing solo podcasts for quite a while now um for a few years in fact and i feel comfortable doing it but it never it never really gets any less weird you just become more comfortable actually uh doing all of that and we have uh we i have i guess i've got a good show for you guys today i have no idea what i'm going to talk about um, probably going to get into some pop culture stuff. Probably, I don't know. Just going to talk about life. Maybe just me, Papa Jay and you all sitting down and hanging out. Um, I don't know if you're listening to this at nighttime in the morning time, you might be at work. I have no idea, but hopefully, uh, I'm going to entertain you for the next, however long this episode is going to be. The reason I'm doing this right now. And the reason I'm doing it the way that I am doing it is because, uh, Ryan, currently isn't available. Um, He had some stuff come up, uh, some personal stuff, some family stuff. I'm not going to get into the details. I'll let him divulge as much of that as he wants to. Um, He's doing fine. He's okay. But um, yeah, this was sort of an an impromptu thing, a last second thing. Normally, if we've never done this, I think we've, we've not done Sight and Sound Weekly before. And we've pre-recorded episodes, obviously, which I guess we technically we always pre-record episodes, but 
there has not been an episode of Sight and Sound Weekly where Ryan just hasn't been on the show. Um, or I haven't been on the show. Where we've been on the show without one another. We've done plenty of episodes not together of other podcasts, but nothing specifically for the Monday show, I guess. The the Monday episode of Sight and Sound. Is that true? Did we do like a Sight and Sound movies one time on Monday? I don't know. But um, we've never done anything like that. And I think if if it were if that were to be the case and it was something we could prepare for we would f- have fully had something ready for this but um for this moment for today uh or whenever you're listening to this but um you know things come up sometimes and things change and there wasn't enough time for me to reach out to a potential co-host or anything like that so and in fact i don't even know so, so the way this is working right now ryan is we have it on the schedule to record Sight and Sound Weekly, but that's very tentative. So I wanted to prepare something in case that that were the case. So this, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't see into the future right now. It's like Sunday when I'm recording this. It's Sunday, uh, February 18th at 2 o'clock, 2.01 to be exact. And maybe something happened and Ryan came over and or I went over there and we recorded Sight and Sound Weekly and it came out and I'm releasing this after the fact. I don't know. I don't know what the case is. Again, I'm I'm just trying to prepare right now. But uh, we're going to push forward anyways with uh, with an after party. Don't have anything specifically that I'm going to talk about. I just went on my phone and looked up, I don't know, some movie news. Maybe I'll talk about some movie stuff. I feel like the movie landscape is still very, very much dominated by uh, Black Panther talk, which I actually haven't gotten a chance to see Black Panther as of right now when I'm recording this. I was supposed to see it um last night there was an opportunity for me to see it last night i was sort of waiting on kayla um because we see a lot of movies together especially movies that she does want to see and i think we're well she doesn't really go to the movies without me i guess but i think she would be fine if and i have done this in the past like i saw i guess i saw logan without her and i saw um justice league without her and Basically, my rule of thumb is give her every opportunity that she possibly can to see it with me. But if it comes down to it, then, you know, she's totally fine with me going to the movies or whatever by myself. Um, which I might talk more about that in a second. But anyways, uh, I was going, I had every opportunity to, not every opportunity, I had the opportunity to see the movie last night, Saturday night. And I went to buy tickets. First of all, I'm I'm getting spoiled with my movie going experience because the last few movies I've seen in theaters and I, I, am not, I wouldn't even consider myself a casual movie goer. Like I pretty much just go to see the big movies in theaters, the big blockbusters and this and that you guys know this about me. If you've listened to sight and sound long enough, I'm not the movie guy, but the last handful of movies that I've seen have all been in IMAX proper, not RPX, not any other off brand of IMAX, specifically IMAX. We, we have an IMAX theater, um, in Lexington, uh, and we hadn't had one in quite a while. Actually, not in quite a while. I don't think we had had one ever, an actual branded, brand name IMAX theater. And I fucking love these movie tickets, man. I love getting these uh, <laughs> these IMAX movie tickets. They're like, kind of like collector's items. I think it's really cool. I think they're really cool, and I like the experience of seeing things in IMAX. So I went to try to see uh, Black... I tried to buy tickets to black panther and imax last night and it, it wasn't sold out 
there were still tickets in the front row, which I know a lot of people are really anti front row movie tickets. And I'm kind of like that too. It just doesn't make for a pleasurable experience. But I remember the last time I went to IMAX thinking to myself that sitting in a front row of an IMAX uh, movie might not be that bad of an experience because they are already sitting you like far enough back to where you can kind of enjoy it. But I kind of, um, well, I, I couldn't sell that concept to Kayla. And even I questioned myself, like, it, it had been a while, I think since, I guess, Last Jedi, since I had been to the theater. And even though I thought that at that time, I couldn't picture what those seats look like, how far they actually were back from the screen. So I couldn't, uh, I, I don't know, I I didn't trust myself. So I was like, ah, I'm not going to do that. So I went to go find tickets to another showing. Uh, I saw that there was an RPX showing at the theater that I was going to go to that also had the same issue. In fact, it might've been more sold out and the standard tickets that I could have bought to a standard showing. I probably would have bought a bit the bullet and just gone to a standard movie showing except then. And I actually didn't confirm this, but uh, I remembered that the standard theater experience, you don't have, um, you don't have assigned seating. And I could be wrong about that, but from what I remember, you don't have assigned seating in those standard film showings, movie showings. So then I just thought about how much of a nightmare, if these other ones are sold out, how much of a nightmare it would have been to actually go see these movies uh, and fight for seats. I just didn't want to do it. I just said all this other stuff. I'd rather just go see the movie on my own time, not on my own time, but on my own terms where I can see it in IMAX if I want to. Um, even if I don't get to see it in IMAX, maybe see it in RPX. I do want that ticket though. I want that limited edition Black Panther ticket because I'm looking forward to this film so much. Um, but it's still dominating the, the sort of discussion right now. Like, I don't know if Ryan was here right now and we were doing weekly. I don't know if we would be talking about Black Panther again. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's worth talking about right now, just considering the fact that this film financially i mean i i predicted between one i think 165 and 170 i think early on it was tracking at 160 and i saw it bouncing everywhere but i just saw on collider.com that uh it looks like it's going to be bringing in close to 200 million i think like right around 190 maybe a little bit above that and uh that's First of all, to me, that's not surprising at all. I think it's surprising for just a, maybe not necessarily, and people could get upset with this, I don't know, but not necessarily an, a 100% A-list comic book superhero property, but because of everything going on with this film, because of what it means to people, what it represents for people, because it seems like such a celebration uh, because, you know, the Black Panther was such a, a fascinating and really cool part of Civil War. I think you that plays into it. The incredible cast, Ryan Coogler, all this buzz, the Kendrick Lamar album, all the stuff we talked about on Sight and Sound Weekly for our preview. It, it just, it didn't surprise me that this was the case with this film and the financial success that it's garnering. Um, I think it's it's going to mean so much moving forward for a lot of things, but specifically for the MCU. I mean, if, I mean, this is similar sort of 
things that happened with Iron Man when Iron Man came out. Iron Man was never a a major A-list, like A-plus, A-list comic book property. You know, when I say A-list, I'm talking about Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, these types of uh, individuals. But the success of Iron Man paid the way for him to be the focal point, the cornerstone, obviously sharing it with Captain America for most of the MCU thus far. And maybe that's going to be the case with, with uh, Black Panther. I have no idea. I really, really don't know. But I am excited to find out. I'm excited to see what happens after the fact with all of this stuff going on uh, with Black Panther, the fallout from the financial success of this film. I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Observing my own uh, movie-going experience, not necessarily movie-going experience, but just my film-viewing habits is always fascinating for me personally because, listen, I love all of our friends and family that supports us here at Sight & Sound that is a part of the uh, movie community online. I mean, I know we share a huge... uh, listenership with with schmoes no obviously our our podcasts are distributed on sk plus not all of them but our monday show and i love all of you guys i think you're fantastic some of my favorite people shout out to everybody in the facebook group but it, it is fascinating to sort of come at this whole thing from from my perspective uh one thing and I, i've gotten i've un- i understand a lot i've come to terms with a lot and I think one of the things that's the most baffling to me, the thing that I'm, I always have maybe the hardest time, eh, I think it's getting better, but I feel like, and I talk about the movie bubble, the movie fandom bubble a lot, especially on After Shmo and this and that, but um, I still think it's interesting to me how people react when they find out how little film I watch, especially a lot of new releases, because I think there's this sort of uh, redundancy of conversation about seeing so many new releases, and it just sort of baffles people that there's somebody in this community that isn't like that particularly. I I don't have anything negative to say about it. I'm not calling anybody out or anything like that, but um, it is funny to see that interaction. Um, I remember, I guess, when the Facebook group kind of first started and you know it's one thing to just have a different opinion than most of what the online movie community sort of has and that's always those conversations are always interesting and fascinating but uh, when you actually talk about like having no desire to see certain movies in theaters and this and that and sort of the more romantic ideas are challenged uh, those conversations are just fascinating to me I just think they're they're I'm not going to say they're fun to have because there's, you know, sometimes they get, they can be heated debates, I think to a certain extent, but, um, yeah, I just, uh, I've, I've said this multiple times, but I, th- I just want people to realize that most people out in the world don't have the movie going habits of the diehard film community. And I think just understanding that, just understanding that, that outside perspective can, sort of just broaden your own ideas and to how you communicate with, with just the outside world about films, these things that we're so passionate about. But I've, it's, it's funny because, um, 
I would say in general, my uh, my fandom of movies, it's it is relatively extensive. I mean, I've seen a ton of films, uh, and I mean, obviously that's all subjective, I guess, especially compared to the, some of the people I'm talking about in this community. But I mean, I grew up just absolutely obsessed with movies. I mean, uh, if we want to talk about parenting and this and that, when I used to stay with my grandmother um, during the summer and after school and, and this and that, whenever school wasn't going on because both of my parents worked and, and she worked, she had a job, but uh, she was a hairstylist and she, would, she wouldn't go in every single day of the week. So I would stay with her um, a lot at her house and I would even stay at, at her beauty shop too. But while she was cleaning the house or doing whatever needed to be done, um, I would always just sit down and pop in a VHS. And I've talked about this before, but there were a handful of movies that were just constantly on a loop with me. Um, the Ninja Turtles movie, the 1989 Batman and Batman Returns. Um, what else? Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner for whatever reason. And, um, and like at, we had this local video store that I mean I would just go in there and rate it like every day every day that I stayed with her I feel like I would go in there and, and get a movie and bring it home and watch it and um and that followed me through most of my life I mean I just always pay, had paid attention to movies and films and I don't even know when it was in particular that I sort of fell off with my with watching movies and watching films I, th I feel like it had to be around the same time that I uh, sort of fell off with music too. I mean, I've talked about this before, my music show, but for those that don't know, I've, there was like a handful of years where I just completely fell out of love with, with music. Um, I went on this, I call it the dark period, where the band that I was in, we sort of stopped playing shows, the music scene that I was a part of sort of went away. I was getting tired of the music genre that I sort of had grown up with. It had become very, very oversaturated. And I, I didn't have a lot of people to talk about music with. So naturally, I just, I don't know. I just, I just sort of lost interest in it for a while. And yeah, interests come and go. But I mean, we're talking about something like music and movies, something that's supposed to fill a lot of your free time. And I guess, I guess it was around that time that I just sort of stopped watching a ton of movies. You know, I, I think it's interesting because it does sort of coincide with, for those that don't know, I was married at one point. I'm no longer married, obviously, but uh, that whole time in my life just feels like a very, very big blur. Like it just doesn't feel like it even happened. And I look back on that time in my life thinking about some of the decisions that I made, the person that I was trying to become. I was trying to be I was trying to be somebody that I thought I needed to be, which is literally the antithesis of the person that I've always been. I grew up go in, in high school. I mean, I know people go to high school. I know there's probably some people out there who are in high school now. One of the most challenging things about ending your high school career is figuring out what the rest of your adult life is going to be. It's sort of a strange time. I mean, there's this sort of, uh, I call it like the life to-do list, the things that most people feel like they're supposed to do as adults, which is go to college, get a job, get married, have kids, 
get a house, work forever, retire, die. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's just this very linear sort of idea of what life is supposed to be. And I get it. And that is, that's some, that's the life that some people want to live. And I get it. And I support that if that is what you decide to do. But that's never necessarily been, believe it or not, it's never really been what I had in mind for myself. I just, I don't like the idea that my life would have to, would have to fit inside a box like that. Um, so I sort of just always ran in the opposite direction of those preconceived notions of what life was supposed to be. Uh, from, I, I guess it was when I was in high school, uh, I think I was a junior and I first started working with, with like multimedia, with graphic design and video editing and getting interested in music and all this other stuff. A lot of the audio stuff and music stuff would come much later, but I just knew, I didn't know specifically what I wanted to do. All I knew was that I wanted to create shit for the rest of my life. I think at the time in high school, it was video, believe it or not. I was a, I was really into the video production class that I had in high school. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more. Ryan's always wanted to do like some sort of, uh, I don't know, like interview about our lives sort of thing where we interview each other on two separate after parties. So hopefully I'm not ruining any of that, but, and I'm sure there's a lot of questions that he have about things that I probably wouldn't get into on my own, not because I'm not willing to divulge it, but just, I mean, I don't know what people are interested in talking about, but anyways, when I was in high school, I always knew what I wanted to do. Um, after high school college was it college for me was something that I was going to do for my parents. My parents always, wanted me to go to college. They had worked really hard to save up some money. They didn't pay their, they didn't pay my entire way through college, but they had saved up some money so that it was easier on me to go to college. And, you know, I wanted to do that for them, uh, to sort of just pay them back personally. Well, I can get into my opinion and views on college much later, but, um, (laughs) selfishly, one of the reasons that I wanted to go to college, and this is, this is hilarious. I feel like, at least to me, I think it's funny. One of the reasons that I wanted to go to college is because I wanted to meet people that I could be in a band with. And I know that's very strange, but uh, at the time when I was younger, there wasn't like a plethora of people to be in a band with, especially people that had like the similar like-minded opinions and views on music that I did, the same tastes. And that's very important when you're starting a band uh, to a certain extent that you want to have people who can help you create your creative vision and you can cooperate and, you know, do all that stuff, collaborate. And, uh, because there was such a limited amount of people, I felt like if I could go to college, wherever it was going to be, I knew it was probably going to be somewhere in Kentucky, but if I went to college, I could find more like-minded people. The, the pool was much bigger to select from just by, uh, not necessarily process of elimination, but just, just by the numbers, I was going to find somebody that I could be in a band with. And, you know, I kind of fucked off for the first semester of college. I mean, I met more people with the music stuff through the music scene that I was involved in more than it was college. It was, it was very weird. It was a very short sighted sort of opinion and view, but, um, anyways, 
college was something that I just did. It was just something that I did because I felt like I needed to do it. Um, and at one point after I got my associate's degree, uh, there was an opportunity for me to go to, uh, to college to get my, my, um, bachelor's degree. And that opportunity was something that I wasn't, I didn't really care about, but I I guess because it was there, I just was like, fuck it. I'll just do it. I didn't have to spend a ton of money. I wasn't in, wasn't in crazy student debt or anything like that. So I just ended up doing it and I finished it. But the moral of this story or not the moral, but the point of this whole story was I started finding myself, even though I was trying to run away from that life to do, to do list, that typical life to do list. I found myself strangely enough, like gravitating towards it. Um, I got the job. Oh, I was in school. I got the job. I ended up getting married. And once I saw, once I real, I didn't really realize it then, but looking back on it now, because I sort of fell into that and I started checking off that to-do list without me even knowing a lot of stuff that I was interested in, that I was chasing after that was sort of outside of the life to-do list. I started to sort of just fall into a routine and I casually became uninterested in music and making music and doing all this other stuff. And, um, yeah, like I said, I just became somebody in that period of my life. I became somebody that I, a never intended to be and b up until that point in my life. I, I was shaping my life to not be that again, not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but that is something that I've personally never been called to do. I've never been called to fall in line, to fall within a box of the life to-do list. Um, I always wanted to do more. So in the three-year period where I was I was in that sort of um, cycle of things, I had the rude awakening of... Um, of, you know, no longer being married, going through a divorce and all that stuff. I just, it was like, it was like I woke up from like a three to four, maybe even longer, three to four year nap. And I was just like, what the fuck happened here? Who am I? Where am I? What, where am I going? What is all of this stuff? (laughs) And, um, it was just really scary. I think at the time It, it was scary to be just just completely unaware of what's going on in your life and how you got there. You know that whole thing about when you're driving somewhere and you just sort of tune out for a period of time and then you get to your destination and you have no recollection of how you got there? That's exactly what my life felt like for three to four years. And it's just bizarre because I look back on it now and it seems like I'm remembering something that happened to somebody else. So, um, but I'm, I'm a person that I like to look on the bright side of things. I am a has, has a glass half full type of guy, a very positive individual. And I saw, you know, and people have different ways of thinking about things. They have different ways of handling circumstances and, and sad times in their lives and good times in their lives but I saw this opportunity, this sort of shift 
as a way to start over. I could be, I could become whoever I wanted to be. Of course, I still had my day job and this and that, the same day job I have now and all of that. But from here on out, I could do whatever I wanted to do. I just had this blank canvas of things that I could sort of, you know, shape my life around. And I was still obviously young at the time. I think I was like 25. Is that right? I think it was 25 when I got divorced. And, you know, I've talked about this before a little bit, but I don't have any ill will. I don't have any uh, any shame. I think the weirdest part and I think the hardest part about all of that is that there's just time that I can't get back. And I feel, you know, I don't necessarily feel robbed of it. It just, it's just a shame that those are, that's just time that I can't get back. And there were relationships and friendships that sort of fell by the wayside in that time that I've had difficulty sort of reclaiming, but, but what came out of all that was essentially every single thing that I'm doing now, because I had this blank canvas, because I got to start over, I that's when I dove into learning how to produce music. That's when I learned how to uh, write music on my own and, and how I learned how to, to sing. I'm not a great singer. I'm not a fantastic singer, but uh, all of that is documented on my music that I've released. But um, I learned how to be better at it and I learned how to write vocal melodies and stuff like that. I just, I had these goals in mind, these things that I wanted to achieve and I did them or at least I tried to do them. I didn't do them for any strange reason to like get famous or to make a career out of it. I just did it because I wanted to do it. And what came out of that was a ton of fulfillment and it was fantastic. I started a podcast met so many people through podcasting over the however many years I've been doing this now. I guess like four or five years I've been podcasting, not with sight and sound, but um, just in general. And just, you know, meeting all, all types of new people and just having new dreams and new aspirations. And it's crazy because I think sometimes we don't realize that this journey that we're on in life, this timeline that we're on, it doesn't have to be this linear thing. It can shift and go off in different directions. No matter what situation or circumstance you're in right now, if you're unhappy, you have the power to change it. You might not be able to change it in the way that you like because you don't have certain tools at your disposal. You don't have the money. You don't have the technology. You don't know the right people. But if you want to, you can take whatever steps necessary to at least go on that track you know, maybe maybe you want to start a band and you've never even been in a band before. You don't even know where to look. Well, just you deciding to do that and to at least try to do that, to try to figure it out is better than not doing it at all. I promise you. And I promise you that if you start on that cycle of trying to do or learn or figure out whatever it is that you want to figure out, as long as you just continue to try you might not get to where you want to go in the amount of time that you want to get there, but I promise you, you will see results by just doing something than having not started it at all. Some people are so scared to fail or so scared that it won't be exactly how you thought it was going to be that they just won't try at all. And there is nothing worse than that. Listen, I, I think 
I think hearing all this stuff is, uh, it, it's good. I think some people need to hear things like this. They need a little bit of a pep talk from now and then, from now and then, from every now and then you need a pep talk. But, um, you know, there are some people out there and I'm fully aware of this, that they're going through things in their own life, their, their day-to-day life. They're in a job. They feel like they're locked into things and there's just no escape and maybe you just don't have the mindset. You don't have the that sort of way of thinking to where you can just, you know, go out there and, and go get it done. And I, I get that, man. I get it. Listen, there are, are so many types of people in this world, and I'm sympathetic to all the different factors that make you, you, and every individual the type of person that they are. I think it's absurd and honestly ignorant to think that everybody has the same capabilities to do the same things in life. We were all dealt a different hand of cards, so to speak. And I'm fully, fully aware of that. And I'm, I'm sympathetic to it. Um, but I, I think more than anything, everybody does have the potential to try to do something. And I think a lot of it comes down to perspective too. One of the things that I'm, I've, I've talked a lot about, and some people think I'm joking about it, and I'm really not, is that sight and sound specifically, or, well, I mean, yeah, sight and sound. For me, I say I say it all the time that it's a part of a a ten year plan. There isn't necessarily a ten year plan where it's like this year we do this and next year we're going to do this. I mean, every year we assess things and how, how we grow and this and that, but more more than anything, it's just this realistic set of expectations that, listen, if, you're, if you are setting out to do something and you do it and your frame of reference for how successful something is going to be is two years, a year, six months, one month, then you are already on a road to failure because nothing is given in this world. No one owes you anything in this world. No one thinks that you're special. No one thinks that they need to listen to you for any particular reason. It just so happens that people might be interested in things that you have to say or things that you have to do or the things that you've created. So just having the perspective from the get-go that whatever you're going to do, and this is more of a creative thing, I guess. I'm speaking to the creatives out there listening to this. If there's something that you want to do, just fucking do it because you want to do it. That is that is the first step. If you have, and, and I know this sounds like some woo-woo bullshit here, but trust me. If you are setting out to do something creatively because you think it's going to get you the quickest route of success, the quickest route to fame, whatever it's going to be, you are doing nothing but setting yourself up for false expectations. Unless you're saying to yourself, I am going to do this and I'm going to devote my time to this in 10 years because I think it can get me where I'm going to go. And the reason I say 10 years is because 
I think I think it's safe to say that if if you can't do something with anything in ten years, then it probably should be time to uh, to sort of switch your focus a little bit. But everything in life changes, right? Everything that we do, every creative outlet, every every creative endeavor evolves like we do as human beings. It changes just like the weather changes. Sight and sound, the way we sort of put this whole thing together has changed since day one when we came up with the idea. I don't think we ever thought how integral YouTube was going to be. We knew YouTube needed to be a part of Sight & Sound, but I didn't. I don't think we ever knew when we first started doing this how important of a role it was going to play in our growth and our success. And obviously success is, is relative, but I think... Uh, I also don't think we ever thought that we were going to be putting out after parties. I don't think we ever thought that we were going to have this sort of focus in mind, even though it's not a hardcore focus on doing like freelancing stuff with after schmo and, and our TV time stuff that we've got going on. We never knew that. So whatever uh, sort of creative creative endeavor you have in mind to go after, be open to change. Be open to evolving and be open to shifting gears as you're going along, right? I mean, again, if you are setting out with a goal in mind, let's say let's say you want to be a podcaster, okay? If you have a, a show in mind that you have planned out and you say to yourself, eh, I want to be, I want to make sure that I can be successful at this, make a career of it in three years, and you start that plan and you haven't changed since day one, and you're looking back on things, thinking to yourself, man, things aren't where I want it to be. Well, it's probably because you haven't changed. You haven't adapted over time to what people are interested in, what people are responding to. You can't have blinders on, right? I mean, 100%, live out whatever you want to do with 100% certainty and and be confident in the, deci- the decisions that you're making, but you've got to at least be aware of change and this and that. And I've talked to a lot of people. I've met a lot of people who have set out on a creative journey, who have tried to do a podcast or tried to launch a YouTube channel or tried to launch a t-shirt brand or tried to launch a, a, a band, and they get so discouraged after a handful of episodes or you know, a year of even being in, in existence and they're let down by the fact that, well, it's not as successful as I want it to be. Really? Really? Is that, is that the issue? What makes you so fucking special? That's what I want to say to people sometimes that tell me stuff like that. Like what makes you think people even need to listen to you? Why do you deserve this? Because you work hard? Well, get in line, man. We're, we're all working hard. We're all on a, on a race here. And I know that's a harsh reality, but that's because the goal that you set out on, the journey that you set out on, you're trying to judge it in three years. Who else are you comparing yourself to? Other people who have gotten success in three years? Well, if it was that fucking easy, then we'd all be doing it, right? That's another issue right now today. People are comparing themselves to other, you know, successful outlets in this and that. 
those people who became overnight success stories or success stories in a relatively short amount of time, in my opinion, they, they hit the lottery. They bought a winning lottery ticket. Well, guess what? The lottery is really fucking hard to win. And if it was easy to do, then we would all be millionaires right now, but we're not. The struggle is real for most people. So again, adjust your perspective. Just find something you love to do and just do it because you love to do it. Whatever will come from it, whatever success will come from it will come because it's way better than sitting on your ass being sad because you don't feel creatively fulfilled. And I get it, man. I am I am a creative individual to my very core. I mean, I think it speaks for itself with all the shit that I've got going on, the music, the podcasting, the YouTube, all this stuff. I just need to be creating something. And if I'm not creating something, I feel like there's a hole inside of me. I feel like there is a void, a gap that just, I mean, (laughs) that, that needs to be filled. And if I said to myself, the only way I'm going to do this is if it's going to garner me any sort of success, then, I mean, it's just empty to begin with. You know, when we started Sight and Sound, uh, I think, you know, we had we had goals and this and that, and it would have been fantastic to do, you know, to get all this stuff that we've gotten now. I mean, if you told me that all of the stuff that we've gotten up until this point, we're still an incredibly small podcast, incredibly small. We have some cool shit going on, but incredibly small. If you would have told me that we would have had all of these things, I would have said, you're crazy because it's hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to get enough people together who want to talk about the same stuff that you want to talk about in a Facebook group. It's hard to get distributed on a big YouTube channel like Schmoes. No, it's hard to get an after Schmo for an, it's hard to get an after Schmo. It's definitely hard to get an after Schmo. It's hard to, you know, be invited to do this after show for a big YouTube channel like Collider and Schmoes. No, but that's the path that we were on. And that's the, those are the opportunities that came from us or from us, from us doing what we we were doing. But at the end of the day, it's because we just started doing something. And if those things didn't happen, we'd still be doing sight and sound. If after Schmo went away tomorrow, if Collider went away tomorrow, if the Facebook group went away tomorrow, if all this stuff, if people stopped listening for whatever reason, I would still show up and do this show every single week. I'd probably change some things. I'd probably need to figure out what was going on, which is a part of that evolution and that change and being aware of how your audience is responding. I don't want to know why because that would be very bizarre, but you know, I'd still do it because I just love doing it. But I don't know. I, when, when I started podcasting years ago, um, I had many goals in mind, but one of the things that I wanted to do is I just wanted to talk to like-minded people. I didn't have a ton of people in my life that really cared about music. I didn't have a ton of people in my life that cared about pop culture stuff. Which, you know, I could probably put a, put turn the mirror on myself a little bit because I also complain about people wanting to come up and talk to me about these things now and me having that joke of don't ask, just listen. 
Listen, that's kind of shitty. I'll be honest. It's kind of it's kind of dumb for me to have that perspective, especially putting it in a perspective that's that's why I started this doing this whole thing in the first place. I just wanted to have conversations with people. Um but one of the other things that I wanted to do eventually, I think this came a little bit later, but I wanted to inspire people to create. I wanted to inspire people to make their own thing, make their own way in life because we live in a world today. We live in this landscape of technology and innovation where it has never been easier for us to create content, whether it's music, whether it's movies, whether it's podcasts, whether it's YouTube videos, whether it's written word and starting your own blog. It's so exciting. I mean, it's, it's so amazing that we have all of these creative outlets to fulfill ourselves creatively. It's, um, it's, it's amazing and it's special. And I see so many creative and brilliant minds out there who just aren't utilizing it for whatever reason. And you know, if you ever need anybody to help you with anything, if you ever need advice on anything or, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily an authority. Of course, I'm not an authority, but I'd be willing to at least talk to you about it. Right? But if you don't know where to start to and you think I'm full of hot air and you think I'm full of shit, then at least pick up a computer or a phone or whatever and do your own research, right? I mean, that's another thing that sort of bothers me too is that I feel like people people want to make every single excuse in the world of why they can't do certain things. And I ask myself or I want to ask them all the time is like, well, what are you actually doing to try? And again, it goes back to the same thing I've already been complaining about, but talk to people all the time about podcast tips and how to start what technology to use. And listen, I'll, I'm down to talk to you about it, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, you just got to fucking do the research, man. How do you think we did it? Like just, just look it up. What question do you have? What podcasting equipment should I buy, Jay? I don't know. Let me type it into Google for you. Like, I mean, I can only take you so far, you know, I, I will help you. Uh, what I like to talk to people about, it's not as much like the technical things. It, listen, the thing I get bugged with is when people ask me questions that they can have answered for themselves. People have got to get into a cycle of doing that. Like I was just doing this today. I was curious, can I use Photoshop? to improve my videos? Can I edit videos in Photoshop? That was what I was curious about. I Googled it and I watched like four YouTube videos about it. And now I'm going to start doing it. But if you want to, if you want to ask me things that are more difficult to Google and research things like what type of show should I do? How should I format this? How should I arrange my business model on this and that? I'm not an authority on it because I'm still trying to get there myself. But I'm very happy with the plan that I have set in motion, right? And that's something that I've talked about this extensively. If you're trying to start a personal brand, if you're trying to start your own creative outlet, a channel, whatever it's going to be, you have got to plan. You have to plan. So many people just pick up the microphone, turn on the camera, and they start doing all these videos and this and that. And they sort of make mistakes as they go along and, and that's fine. And people get entertainment out of that. People like to see people grow and 
There's probably elements of that here with sight and sound. But I promise you, you will be much happier if you, and you will, things will run much more smoothly. You will have less headache if you just sit down and plan things out and bounce ideas off of people. That's one of the best things that happened with sight and sound was that a lot of these ideas, a lot of the stuff that we're doing now, Ryan and I were talking about it like a whole year before sight and sound even really, uh, not even before it launched, before it even became a real idea. We had this idea to create a podcast network, uh, basically a network full of different shows where we would get different people on board and this and that. And and it never really came to fruition because it was so hard to get a bunch of people on board. And when we walked away from that conversation, it sort of sat with me for a long time. And I thought to myself, I was like, why do we need all these other people to do it? What if we just did the network ourselves, ourselves with uh, with sight and sound? And that's that's sort of how it was born out of out of that. And I remember, I remember going to him and just telling him like, "Hey, man, I kind of have this idea for this thing. If you'd want to be involved with it, you know, we uh, it can be music, movies, and television. All the movie stuff you would be in charge of. Blah blah. blah. I don't remember exactly how the conversation went down, but I do remember <laughs> the only the only time." I sort of had to put my foot down in that initial conversation about sight and sound with Ryan was when we were getting into weekly. I had this idea and we've changed it since then, which I'm, I'm grateful for. I love the way weekly is now, but initially uh, when we sat down to do like our very first couple trial episodes of, of sight and sound weekly, um, I think he was sort of asking me these questions. He wanted to see how things were going to go and, I kind of just had this idea in my mind and I said, listen, let's just sit down, let's record it and let's just follow my lead. I trusted him as a podcaster. He's great at sort of following, you know, we have a great chemistry. That's, I think people are aware of that, but I said, let's sit down and we'll sort of uh, go through it and you can see where I'm going and we'll just let the conversation go wherever it goes from there. And he, he got it. He got it like instantly. It clicked with him. He understood. And he said, yeah, this is, you know, this is kind of nice. And we've, we've tweaked things since then, then, and we'll continue to tweak things and this and that, but sight and sound weekly will always feel like sight and sound weekly, obviously. But again, that's just another example of, of planning and being aware of what changes you need to make, how you need to evolve as a show and as a brand. But yeah, preparation is key in doing anything like that. Your headaches will be much less. You might end up, whenever you go into that preparation and planning mode, listen, I go through this all the time. You may sit out with like this broad idea and the more you narrow it down, you kind of run into a dead end and you realize like, okay, there, this wasn't as great of an idea as I had. And that can be very disheartening. I think you can feel very defeated. Like, oh man, I thought this was going to be great, but it is going to be harder to execute. Like for instance, people, when they start podcasts, they hear all these other podcasts with interviews with guests and and this and that. And that's great. That is a great cornerstone, not maybe not necessarily a cornerstone. That's a great format for a podcast to have. Show up as a host, have guests, interview them, talk to them, this and that. And that would be your podcast. However, 
I promise you, if you're listening to this right now and you are you have an idea for a podcast and that's how you want it to go, you're the host and you have guests. Already from the get-go, you are setting yourself up for failure. And before you get defensive, if you're listening to this, thinking that, just hear me out. One of the hardest parts about podcasting is scheduling. Even Ryan and I have difficulty scheduling and we live very close to each other in the same state. When you throw out the fact that your podcast is going to to be built on whether or not somebody else is going to be there, especially when it's going to be a different guest all the time, you are already throwing in so many difficult uh, hurdles in front of you. Now let's say that you want a, a movie podcast or a pop culture podcast. It's going to be topical like we do on Sight and Sound. We talk about um, big news stories and news topics. Well, now you have seven days to not only get a guest, schedule the guest, have them sit down and record with you and edit it and distribute it. Every single week you have to go through that. Ryan and I, we're each other's guests. Our timetable to record is pretty much the same every single week. You've got, you can't build your idea on something that has that many flaws and that many variables that you can't control. You can't build your big brand idea if you are dependent on somebody else and if you are reliant on somebody else. You can have those things involved with it, but it can't be built on that. You have to you have to build your idea relying on as little moving pieces, parts and pieces as possible. That's my opinion personally, but I've seen it. And and to everybody out there that has defied what I'm saying, then all all the best to you. That's fantastic, but I'm telling you, the more things that you have to control in your show, in order for it to go off without a hitch, the more difficult it's going to be for it to succeed. The beauty of what we do is that we rely on each other, but we can also do things on our own separately and still be able to put out content like like I'm doing here. Ryan had something come up last second, something that he needed to attend to, and you know I'm filling in the spot, and I would expect him to do the exact same for me if I couldn't show up, if there was something going on with me. So... You just got to to plan for that. And it's much better to build your brand on something that requires or that is dependent on less factors and moving parts and pieces and then bring that stuff in after the fact. Like imagine if we built after party on having guests on all the time. It just wouldn't happen. I mean, one of the reasons we don't have guests as much is because they're hard as shit for us to nail down. So, yeah, that's just a word of warning to people, and it's something I see people run into often. Um, don't get caught doing that. I promise you will be much happier for having not done it in the first place. Let's sort of wrap uh, this whole thing up. Listen, we've uh, we've been all over the place a little bit. It's been a lot of the time being very serious, and I apologize, but I don't know. It's okay to be serious every now and then. Um, kicked off things talking about movies. I guess we'll bring it back to a little bit of pop culture stuff. In the TV realm, what's going on in the TV realm? 
What are you guys watching? Ryan and I are watching Counterpart. I'm actually having a fantastic time watching it. It started off a little bit. Well, it started off with fireworks. It got a little slow, and now it's really picking up. It's starting to get really, really interesting. If you're not checking out Counterpart on Stars, I highly recommend it. Um, not a lot going on on HBO right now, which is sort of what made this a lot easier. I can't. I, I mentioned this. I don't know if I've mentioned it anywhere outside of Counterpart uh, recaps that we do, but. Um, I, I canceled my HBO in order to watch counterpart because there was nothing coming up on HBO, right? No game of Thrones, certainly no Westworld. Even if Westworld was on right now, I probably would still cancel it. Just, you know, hashtag transparency being 100% real with you guys do not like Westworld. Although I do think the trailer for the next season, even though it just, that trailer, that trailer could be nothing but an interesting trailer. It couldn't have any, it might not have anything to do with the actual season, but, uh, other stuff going on with TV right now, uh, Versace assassination of Gianni Versace. I think it's really, really good. There was an episode, I think it was the last episode that I thought was one of the weaker episodes just because it seemed, even though it was still tied into everything, it still seemed very removed from the rest of the show. No spoilers, obviously, but it just seemed like it was a different show a little bit to me. And I haven't really gathered my thoughts about it, but that's sort of what I'm remembering right now. Listen, the longer a solo podcast goes on, the more my brain just turns into goo. So I apologize if this last little bit is like very, very incoherent, but uh, just just bear with me, okay? We're almost done. Uh, speaking of assassination, wow, I can't say that word, assassination of Gianni Versace, Ryan Murphy, man, that guy. Just got a deal that deal with Netflix, and I think it was three hundred million dollar deal. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I haven't done any research. I basically heard about the story, and I listened to them talk about it on the watch. And they put a they pointed out something kind of fascinating is that listen, we don't know a lot about Netflix. All right, that's that's just fact. They don't release numbers. We don't know. We just don't know shit about what's going on with them. Outside of the fact that they do give creators a very large platform and they invest in creators and this and that, that can be seen with Ryan Murphy. Um, this $300 million deal, as The Watch pointed out, could potentially not necessarily be money in his pocket, which if it is, great, whatever. But it could also be $300 million for you to create whatever you want. So... He could pocket half of it, which is $150 million, which is great. That's fantastic. But he could also say to himself, I'm going to take the other $150 million. I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to make a TV show. Maybe I'll make a bunch of TV shows for, you know, really scale back the budget a little bit. Could be all of that. Could just be a $300 million check for him over the course of the next three years to do whatever he wants to do. I have no idea. Did I say three years? I don't know. It could be. And it's not all going to be at once, as The Watch reported as well. I don't know. But it, let's say he blows it all in a year, and in year two and three, he goes back to them and says, uh, hey, I need more money. I don't know how that works. I really don't know how that works. I can only speculate. But I do think it's a, a big pickup. This is a fascinating, fascinating time for I think us, Ryan and I, and just in general, this whole pop culture 
landscape. Cause this is like a really interesting, like sports type of move where we have these different quote unquote teams, your Netflix, your Disney, your HBO, Apple, Amazon. I was about to say Hulu, but doesn't Disney own Hulu now? I don't know. Anyways, uh, I could be wrong about that. I think that's the case. But anyways, we're having these these different news stories come out where these quote-unquote teams are buying the quote-unquote players. So you're Ryan Johnson, not Ryan Johnson. Well, yeah, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, he's a, a part of it. You're Ryan Murphy's. You're Weiss and Benioff. All of these individuals are essentially they will become free agents to be signed up by all of these people. And these bidding wars that these different companies are going to go on in order to acquire these players is fascinating. It's fascinating and it's exciting. I think it's exciting for the content creators, but it's also exciting for us as fans who and consumers who take in this content because you know, they're basically just investing in good ideas and in quality, I think. So, but Netflix picking up Ryan Murphy is is big and obviously Ryan Murphy uh garnered a ton of success for both critical and I guess commercial success, I don't know, but definitely critical success for People versus OJ, obviously his work with Glee and American Horror Story. And um yeah, I just think it's really cool, man. I think he's got like a great vision as a as a director/showrunner. I think the stylization of the things that he does, it blends this, it just, it's this very fascinating blend of like great art direction and, and interesting shots and cinematography as well as interesting scripts and a lot of pop culture, like referencing and stuff and the things that he works on. I think he's an exciting creator to pay attention to. And especially for somebody like Netflix to sign up, Netflix is playing an interesting game right now too. It seems like this is to me, at least it seems like this is a statement of intent from the company to say, okay, we know that Apple is trying to get into this game. We know that Jeff Bezos and Amazon is trying to find his game of Thrones and, um, you know, and Disney is also trying to get into the game too. It's it's fascinating because uh, this seems like a statement of intent where they're ready to go to battle. I could be off on that, but that's just sort of my take. It's also interesting to think about, and I'm, I'd be willing to uh, debate this because I don't know how much I fully believe in it, but if you just list out all those names, okay? Disney, Amazon, Apple. Who's the other one? HBO. You could make an argument that of all of those major, major players, Netflix is one of the smallest. And the people that they're going to battle with have, you know, have a much, they have more variables at their disposal for success. I feel like any one of those companies, if they wanted to, could tank Netflix almost overnight if they decided to. With the exception of HBO. That's the only one like for me, if I was uh, if I was Apple or Amazon, I would be looking at Netflix and HBO, and I would be saying to myself, "How can I acquire that?" Because that's what, how big these companies are. I mean, these are massive, massive tech companies. They could be looking at these 
platforms and saying to themselves, we could just buy that. We could just buy that out. Disney, probably not the best idea for Disney right now, considering that they just bought Fox and, and all of that. I don't think Apple is in this game. But if Apple came out tomorrow and said, we're just going to buy, whoops, sorry, I just bought my microphone. We're going to just, we're just going to buy Netflix. I've been very outspoken that I don't think this would ever be the case, but man, I feel like you could see a world where that would happen. It would be much more likely for me personally to see Apple buy HBO than it would be for Apple to buy Netflix. Netflix is just, it's almost too big. But personally, I want these competitors. I want this competition. I don't want there to be too many options for us to choose from to where we're sort of having to isolate one or the other. That's why I don't like these smaller players in this whole thing. Like, I like the idea of a stars existing as a company that creates this content that then goes off and tries to sell it to these bigger companies. But I don't like them existing as a standalone platform. I just, I feel like it's too much for us to choose from. And they're sort of, they're not forcing us. They're not putting a gun to our head, obviously, but they're, they're making the decision a little bit more difficult, which that maybe that's what you want. Maybe you want that competition. I think that, excuse me, I think the competition is good, but it is kind of a pain in the ass. I don't know. I probably need to think about that a little bit more. Um, Music stuff, sort of wrapping everything up. It's weird. I talked about it on my music show, but this was a massive, massive week for rock music just because of how many releases there were. And I think that it was a lot of releases for more niche and subgenres of rock music, not just rock music as a whole. There's going to be a lot of people who are fans of rock music that have no idea that <laughs> some stuff came out. And that's fine. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but um, if Ryan was going to be on here, I was going to ask him what his sort of take on all this was. I feel like I don't know what's happening, but I feel like something is happening with rock music right now. Like we could potentially be on the verge of some sort of interesting shift where the heat, uh, the heat meter on rock music, in my opinion, as much as I love it and as passionate about it as I am, it's pretty low. It's pretty low. It's getting swallowed up by a lot of other stuff that's going on. And the music genre is so broad, you could have no idea what I'm talking about when I'm referencing that. But it's a lot of the underground rock music that's going on that saw its success uh, in the early to mid-2000s. A lot of metal, hardcore, post-hardcore, screamo, emo, pop punk, all of those little niche subgenres. Very popular in the early to mid-2000s. And uh, they've had a harder time as of late. A lot of bands that I like, I see working regular day jobs, which, you know, that's fine. But uh, it's just sort of puts it into perspective when you see, you know, 18-year-old kids dropping their trap mixtape and now they're buying ha- mansions. I almost called them ham- hansions. What's a hansion? Uh, you see them buying mansions in Malibu or... I don't know, Calabasas or something like that. But I don't know. I feel like something interesting is going on, something special. But again, I talked about this on my music show. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Maybe I planned to. But so many factors have to be in play for there to be a new sort of resurgence of rock music. 
And I feel like not many of those factors are actually happening right now. Like, for instance, I'll just use The Plot and You, the band that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Or last week on Weekly, I guess. We previewed their album that just came out. Um, when Well, let's, go, let's talk about Nirvana. So when Nirvana broke onto the scene and they had this huge explosion into the zeitgeist, that, that didn't just happen out of nowhere. Like so many other things were in play for that to take place. Like for instance, they had an album that came out prior to Nevermind that had garnered them somewhat of a fan base. They were on a record label, Sub Pop at the time, not with Nevermind, but they were on Sub Pop Records, which already had a swell of people interested in it. Alternative rock in general was starting to see a swing, an uprise into the zeitgeist in popularity. Nirvana, a band who already had a magnifying glass on them, drops an incredible, groundbreaking, game-changing album called Nevermind, and this powder keg that had been filling up with, uh, what's in a powder keg? Gunpowder? It just, it got a spark, and it exploded. And all of those things, all those factors that were into play happened at the right place, the right time. And a lot of the stuff going on today right right now in the modern music landscape, it's it's just not quite there yet. I think the announcement that vinyl record sales are up, I think a lot of these niche subgenres are the ones benefiting off of that. I I don't think there's as many like major, major um top tier artists. Your Drake's, your Kanye West and all of that. I don't think those artists I could be wrong about this. I have no basis for of saying this, but it's just my own speculation and input. I think a lot of those upper echelon artists, I don't think they are benefiting from album sales as much as some of the smaller, more independent, more underground niche artists are. And I think that's purely down to the fact that when you spend money on a smaller artist, that uh, when you're buying their physical release, that money is going a lot farther to that smaller artist than it is to the upper echelon. When you buy a Kanye West, well, I mean, Kanye West is a bad example. When you buy a Taylor Swift album on vinyl, that money gets distributed in so many different ways it would make your head spin. And I'm sure for those smaller artists, it gets distributed in a bunch of ways as well, but you could probably follow the paper trail a little bit more closely. Still not enough for an explosion of the rock music genre or the subgenres and the scene and all of that, a lot of other stuff has to be in play as well. And I've talked about this before, but right now more than ever, I feel like uh, the media has a lot to play a big role to play with that. And I don't mean just the media in general. I, I mean, the music media back um, in around 2009, 2010, 2011, when there was this big swell of emo revival and grunge revival music, it just seemed like, the websites and the blogs, the sort of crossover major music publications, they just didn't grab onto it as much or because we were just on the back of another really big trend of a similar music genre. People just had a bad taste in their mouth and you start seeing like really shitty reviews, just writing off great albums and great releases. There are some bands that sort of cross over like Touche Amore has obviously had a lot of critical success and, um, I think Title Fight has had some critical success as well. I could be wrong about that, but 
uh, there are bands that where that exists, but it just wasn't for the whole of the the com- those smaller communities. But I am anxious to see if we might not start if we won't start to see some of those things happen. Um, for instance, I think this plot new album is fantastic. I think it is sort of a game changing album, a next level album for me personally, at least for this music genre specifically. But I don't know if this is that album. I feel like if they can come back within a year and a half with another one that's even better, that sort of not only improves on that album, but sort of takes it to a new level, I think we have something very, very special on our hands with that music genre. But I don't know. Uh, listen, everybody, I've rambled long enough. We've covered we've covered a handful of topics. We've gone a lot of different directions. I appreciate you guys sitting in on me with this. Um, again, Ryan couldn't be here on this episode. He's got some stuff going on, um, some family stuff he's got to take care of. I don't know how much he wants to sort of talk about that and divulge about that. Not that, you know, there's any nothing like ridiculous is going on or anything like that. I don't, I don't want people's minds to go in that direction. But, uh, you know, when things happen in our personal lives, we choose whether or not we want to share them or not. And if he wants to, he can. But, um yeah, he was missed on this episode. I'm sure you'll hear from sooner rather than later. But thank you guys so much for sticking with me on this episode. Uh, my apologies that Sight and Sound Weekly didn't come out, but you know we put out a ton of content. And if you've stuck with me throughout the entirety of this episode, then uh, may whatever deity that you believe in have mercy on your soul. Um, it was a weird one. It was strange. It never isn't strange to do a solo podcast. But uh, yeah, make sure you guys are following us along on our YouTube channel. Just search for it, I guess. Um, There's also a link in the description box of this podcast. Tons of additional content on the YouTube channel and more to come as well. Uh, Follow us online at SightSoundPod on Twitter, Instagram. We don't post a lot on Instagram, but that's okay. Check out the Facebook group. Love being in the Facebook group. It's like one of my favorite things about life in general right now. And uh, you can buy our merchandise. Working on new merch right now. Go to our website, sightsoundpod.com. There's a ton of merch already up there and available if you want to buy it. But be on the lookout because we will have some stuff coming up down the pipe very, very soon. You can follow me on social media at Jay Williams, J to the A to the Y to the E on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same for both. Ryan Snelling is at WhatUpSnell on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can check out my music, my band, that I do with Carl Bragg. I say it's a band. It's just us. It's, just, it's uh, me and Carl. Carl and I. It's called Separator. You can also check out my solo music project called Some Life. Uh, that is wherever music is found. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal. I think you can Shazam it too. I don't know. Uh, you can check all of that out. I've got more Separator music coming on the way. I've got more Some Life music coming on the way as well. Last but not least, More Than Music, Season 1, Episode 1, drops Tuesday. I think it's a Tuesday, February 27th. It is the brand new standalone show here on Sight & Sound that I'm launching. I've worked very, very hard on it. I'm excited to finally put it out. Episode 1 is called Bonnie Vare, Not Just a Cabin in the Woods, a story of Bonnie Vare. Um, Even if you're not a fan of Bonnie Vare, if you're not interested in that at all, I highly urge you to check it out because... You know, the podcast is for you, for the people who aren't that interested because I'm trying to sell them to you. I'm trying to pitch them to you so that you will potentially buy into uh, at least 
the interest of Bonnie Bear. And we will have more episodes coming in the near future as well. That's all I've got. Thank you guys so much for joining me. My name is Jay Williams. We will see you on the next one.